Pod Doctors is brought to you by the Kindle book, Saving Limbs, Saving Lives, Advanced Treatments to Prevent Amputations in Diabetic Populations. This book by Dr. Damien Dauphiné discusses specific patient cases in diabetic limb preservation, which highlight the modern use of wound care technology that has exploded in the last 20 years. With only one advanced therapy available in 1999, there are now hundreds of options to help close chronic wounds in diabetic patients. Dr. Dauphiné distills these options down to show patients and physicians treating these patients how combinations of these products can be used to save limbs and save lives. Welcome to The Pod Doctors. I'm Dr. Damien Dauphiné, board-certified foot and ankle surgeon, and my partner, Dr. Rafa Hussein, fellowship-trained podiatric surgeon, and we are The Pod Doctors. Each week, The Pod Doctors will be discussing aspects of podiatric medicine and surgery to educate our audience on common foot and ankle problems and the latest treatment options available. We hope to bring you interesting and informative shows each week discussing all the crazy ways that our wonderful foot can malfunction and cause us problems. So please find us on all the platforms where you find your typical podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and YouTube where you can view our videos. So please like and subscribe, and we will see you next time on The Pod Doctors. Welcome to The Pod Doctors. I'm Dr. Damien Dauphiné, and I'm here with my partner. Dr. Rafi Hussein. And today we're going to do a little bit of a more in-depth look at Charcot reconstruction using the Ilizarov or the external fixation um, frame system and talk a little bit again about what Charcot is and uh, why it's such an issue for our diabetic patients or patients who have neuropathy. Yeah, and this is specifically a, a surgical video, so you'll be able to see our thinking process as we go through everything step by step. So Charcot, uh, it's a frame <laughs> system. We know that the foot is faulty, it's not working well, and we're here to kind of fix it. So just to kind of recap on what Charcot is, Charcot is when your foot starts breaking down at the joints or at the, you know, at the bony level, when you have some type of neuropathy, most commonly with diabetic neuropathy, but it can be, you know, alcoholic neuropathy, uh, tertiary syphilis, it could be uh, chemotherapy-induced neuropathy, but most common things that you see Charcot with, uh, right. that we see, is um, diabetic neuropathy. Yeah, this is that's a classic rocker bottom foot on yeah, this the This is yours. Yeah. This is your pre-op. And this patient had had several uh, preliminary procedures called planing, where you're literally trying to plane off the bumps because they kept ulcerating under the bumps. Yeah, you can plane those off as much as you want, but that foot's going to keep on collapsing. Right. There's a there's a deformity there that we have to address. You know, planing it off will get rid of the ulcer, you know, for a short period of time. And we've seen it time and time again. Mm -hmm. You go in, you take that bump off, you have your little bumpectomy, and the ulcer heals, and you're like, all right, thank God. You see him a couple months later, and you're starting to see that foot get a little bit worse. And they're like, hey, it's, it's starting to, you know, uh, break down again. I'm trying to stay off of it, and then eventually it becomes a sore, an ulcer, and then you're back at square one again, and you go through that little cycle. I'm not a huge fan of planing. I think uh, these are limb-threatening problems. And if you looked at that x-ray and saw the bump and the ulcer, but you also saw where the heel position is, which is it it's, literally the reverse of what it should yeah, be. That should be declinated. I mean, that, yeah. that heel is supposed to be down. Yeah. 
And it's literally sitting it's up in like the this. opposite position. Yeah. There's no way that planing is going to cause any sort of um, long-term solution for this. Yeah. And if you're going to take this patient who's complex, diabetic, has all the complications you can imagine, into the operating room, my opinion is that you should do something significantly more definitive than a planing. And this yeah. patient had several planing procedures. Yeah. So, you know, that just, it simply wasn't going to work. So here we're at the side of the ankle. We start with the fibular osteotomy first at the level of the lateral ankle. So we're dissecting down, luckily uh, overlying the fibula. There's not much neurovascularly. Uh, so we can go pretty much down to the level of bone. So we're going down behind there, as you know, behind the fibula, you have your peroneal tendons and we're protecting that. So this is Dr. D dissecting. This is me up here. And we kind of do a little dance in between there a couple times. But so the, the goal is we want access to the ankle. We want access to the subtalar joint. Yeah. And then to the calcinocuboid navicular, um, uh, talonavicular joints. We're literally going to take the fibula off and get rid of the fibular malleolus. Yeah. Sometimes people will remove it completely. Sometimes people will do like an onlay type of graft. And I think you classically, you like to just remove it because why get, why have that bulk there? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're already going to shorten the patient a little bit when you take the ankle joint out. And if they have a, a broad, bulbous ankle, getting rid of the fibula actually helps that so yeah. that they can fit into shoes easier. So using that as an on-lay graft just means you've got more bulk there. Yeah. And uh, that's why I don't typically do that. Yeah, and the head of the talus and the uh, tibial plateau, whatever you want to call it, has so much surface area. Right. I mean, you don't really need too much. So here we're slowly dissecting that free, taking care to protect anything in and around the, the lateral ankle. So now we have direct access to the ankle, subtalar joint. We can we can see the, arth the arthritic changes. I think at that point, had we already lengthened the Achilles? Already, yeah, it looks uh, like it. Yeah, so we've already done a hemisection of the Achilles to be able to pull that heel down. Yeah, so the triple hemisection that Dr. D is talking about is when we do that partial cut in the Achilles to get that accordion-like uh, lengthening in the Achilles because obviously one of the bigger components of, of Charcot deformity is the equinus component, the tight Achilles pulling that heel bone up and that's why you see that heel bone come up right. so much. So when we get that back down somewhat close to neutral, we have to obviously uh, get some slack on the Achilles end. So just getting the heel into position is a huge part of this. Oh, yeah. So we're really kind of yanking on that thing, trying to, to pull it down back into a at least a neutral position, if not back to an anatomic position. So here you can see the fibula is gone, the joint. Good access to the ankle. Yeah, joint right here, the ankle joint that we're focusing on so right now. At this point, and you can see, you know, I'm cranking on the foot pretty, pretty significantly. I'm literally dislocating the ankle there. Well, yeah, it's so much. Yeah. He's got so much soft tissue contracture around it that we have to. You'll see, we'll tease all the way around the ankle joint, freeing mm -hmm. up the capsule. Um, allowing that uh, mobility because it's not just the Achilles it's everything else that's been set in its ways but even if that was all we did that would be an improvement for this patient because the heel is now in a much more anatomic position where it's going to bear weight yeah. when previous it, it clearly wasn't bearing yeah, it was weight all midfoot it was all all bones in the midfoot that aren't designed for that let's see all right so now so what we're, we're doing it was we're clearing up all the cartilage all the the bony surface that thin layer of bone that's on the outside of the bone your cortical bone so we're slowly resecting that out i think before this i think i chopped it out already Jumped we're ahead. getting out with we're using curettes and just you yeah know, we use curette osteotomes oh here we go there you More go curettes yep. and then usually what we'll do is we'll, we'll drill it you know fenestrate it with multiple 
drill holes allow that good healthy bleeding bone to come through. And if we don't get good cancellous bone um, apposition, then sometimes we'll even fish scale it where you put little mm-hmm. cross hatches with the osteotome in there. And so but, this joint was well aligned, so we yeah. didn't need to do any osteotomies. No. We didn't need to do anything specific to uh, fuse this joint in an anatomic position. Yeah. A little so, laminar spreader to help us out. Yeah, just spread the joint out so we can get in there and, and utilize the, uh, the honey badger. Yeah. <laughs> it works so good taking that all that, ba- that, oh, yeah. that uh, cartilage off the of it. The honey badger just kind of strips all that all that cartilage off. And so now here we're, we now are, we're drilling. Yeah. Putting those little drill holes in there to allow that good, healthy bleeding bone um, to come through and get faster healing, pretty much, ideally. So that's pretty much the dissection part of the ankle joint. So what we're trying to do is fuse the ankle in a somewhat neutral position. So obviously we got to get that to heal up. Some people like crossing screws, you know, the whole fibular onlay graft we're talking about. In this case, we're gonna be using the frame. There's a multitude of ways, there's plates and screws and staples and stuff that you can go through. So my my theory of why I prefer the frame in patients like this is this guy's six foot five, 350 pounds. Yeah, he, he's, he was a big guy. He's clearly not gonna be able to stay off this foot very easily. And if we use plates and screws in a neuropathic patient, he can literally fracture through these screws. He yeah. can literally rip these plates out of bone and we end up with uh, you know a horrible result. So if we can use the external fixator to take all that weight off the foot and put it onto the tibia, and then when we're done, take all this stuff out and leave him with little or no Next hardware. Next to nothing, yeah. You know, I use one six, five screw uh, to fixate the subtalar joint just because yeah. it's easier to do that joint with uh, internal fixation. But the rest of this is all done with X-Fix. And it, you leave no hardware there that can become a problem later on. So yeah. I like that. My theory of Charcoal Recon is leave no evidence that I was there. Yeah, I want to get in, do my work, get out. So we're going to yeah. jump into the subtalar joint dissection part. Okay. A big proponent of Charcot is that they end up you know, breaking through the joints and we got to get them back into neutral alignment. So here's a little picture of what pronation looks like, supination. Uh, what we're trying to do is open up the joint here and get that to pretty much aligned to where we want it to. So we're taking out more on one side rather than the other side, depending on the deformity. And I think he was pretty pronated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously we'll be taking out more medially. We need to swing the heel back under his leg a little bit. Yeah, it works out great because uh, if you're fusing all two of those joints, uh, tapio to the talus, talus to the calcaneus, you can literally reangulate their foot and bring that heel right back under the, the tibia here. So now we're looking for the subtalar joint. So, yeah, dissecting through the sinus tarsi, exposing the medial and posterior facets. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're using the osteotome to free up the, the capsule, the ligament structures on the side, so we don't have to worry about it injuring anything. So we have the, the sharp edge of the osteotome and pretty much levering it up so we're slowly teasing all that stuff off of there. All right, now, now we start the whole curette part. Then we're gonna get some x-rays now. All right, so now we're in the subtalar joint. We're freeing that up. We're looking at the x-rays. So right. we're placing our so this is temporary what, fixation. This is our joystick. This is yep. what we're gonna be using to realign that heel, bring that heel down, whatever we need to do. So it's the chance pin. And we use it to our advantage. It's temporary, we'll take it out at the end. And right above this, you'll see he left some space there to put that screw in so we can get good compression across there. So yeah. here's that subtalar screw that Dr. D was talking about. So we're slowly edging our way uh, further along, uh, making sure that those uh, threads come across the other half of that joint. So we got we had to bury that screw pretty, pretty far into the calcaneus. 
So this is a countersink. So what we're doing is making sure that that head isn't prominent and to get a little extra depth, we can bury it a little bit further. So you'll see that that head will come up. I think we're then you're gonna put the screw on now. So the screws we're putting in are cannulated. So you saw that little guide wire. We use that as your, your alignment guide. So we're throwing that from the heel bone to the talus to allow that screw to come over it. Sometimes you can do the guide wire, drill over it, pull that wire out, and then put a solid screw in. But now that the hardware has gotten so much more advanced, so much more solid, that we don't have to worry about the, the risk of those things um, breaking too often. And so I do like the caneless system myself. I don't know yeah. about you. Saves time. So put it under power 90% of the way, and then hand tighten it the remaining 10% to get that good feedback so we know that, that we're not over drilling or blowing out the other side or whatever it might be. Yeah, so now that, get that screw threads are, yeah, so we're, I think we, we advanced that a little bit further, yeah. but now we're using it as a lag screw, so we're pulling the talus into the, into the calcaneus. There we go. So now that the threads are past the calcaneal body, those threads are going to pull while that head, that um, the counter pressure, will help compress just like a normal screw would. So now we can see how much calcaneal inclination uh, that we're able to get now. Look at that tibia, look at that heel bone. Before it was literally angled up. I think this is where so, you throw so your temporary our, wire yeah. into the, uh, the, uh, the tibia. All the way up from the bottom of the foot. I like that Steinman pin up through the calcaneus up into the tibia to direct our forces when we're compressing using the frame yeah. to make sure we don't dislocate immediately or laterally. All right, so the so goal that, here is a, to get that pin, that Steinman pin from the bottom of the foot through the calcaneus, through the talus, up into the tibia to hold that exactly where we need to. So when we get the frame on, we don't have to worry about realigning the foot and fiddling with it too much because that Steinman pin has it exactly where we need to and in the end, once we've got the frame on there, we can pull that pin out. Right. There we go. As we slowly advance, we keep on adjusting the foot wherever we need to. Right, Boom. right, right down there Broadway. So calcaneus, talus, tapia right here. You can see that we're, we're bringing that foot up as much as we can to, to get that. And, and clearly, you know, his forefoot and midfoot are yeah. dorsiflexed. Because we've just now accentuated that deformity, which we address with the midfoot. But if you remove the <clears> forefoot <throat> and look at the hindfoot, I mean, that hindfoot is in great alignment yeah, right now. That's where he needed to be, for sure. Yeah, so I think we just run that wire a little bit further. And beautiful. All right, so now that we got everything in good alignment, we close up all the soft tissue deformity, get everything healed up on the lateral side, and then we're going to jump to do our midfoot stuff. So... If you remember back to his x-rays, now his midfoot, his forefoot, is sitting literally turned in on his midfoot. Most commonly, do you typically see them um, adducted or yeah, abducted? They're usually yeah, turned out. Turned out, abducted. Yeah. So in his case, everything's sort of fallen medially. Yeah, he's got your classic metaductus <clears throat> type of deformity. Right. And it's just the way his foot broke down. I would say more commonly that you see it, it turned out. It's his, right. you know, your duck walking type of deformity. But in his case, he just happened to have it turned in. But the, the treatment is the same. We got to go uh, align the midfoot. We got to take a wedge out. It's a triplanar deformity, so we're not only taking a wedge out on the lateral side, uh, bringing swinging his forefoot back over medially. I mean, sorry, bringing his forefoot back over laterally. Right. We're also taking a wedge out from the plantar aspect. So it's literally where it's a complex uh, wedge thing. I think I have a good picture in there. 
So uh, as you see, most of the, so the pictures I've found, well. yeah, they're showing your classic pronation type deformity. But same thing, opposite wedge. We do the wedge lateral base, bring that over. But yeah, you can see that there's a small wedge here and then a, a planter wedge here, bring that alignment into place. Simple, effective, and you know, we use the K-wires as guides sometimes. Some people like to use the K-wires, some people like to use just the x-ray, some people like to use acetomes. I mean, it doesn't make a difference. They all work as long as the, the alignment maintains. Pack them with bone graft. Yeah, so this is another th thing that we like to do. Pack it with bone graft, allow it to Oh, and then that's the cellulite, yeah. So we're, we're actually installing collagen mixed with vancomycin into the incision line. Yeah, so, you know, large incision, big frame, high-risk patient, we mix the vancomycin in there just to prevent that risk of infection. So it's uh, collagen with an antibiotic. Yeah. All right. Oh, here, here's a good picture of his ulcer on the bottom of his foot. So, so we're going to do uh, two converging ro rotational flaps to get that close. Uh, essentially do transpositional flap technique. Yeah. Simple, effective. The goal of this was to get his wound to close up. Um, why and not close it up it directly? Yeah. yeah, and keep it closed. Right. <laughs> yeah, most importantly. Yeah. There's all kinds of ways you can close a wound with casting, with other techniques, but if you don't fix the underlying architecture, yeah, you're just spitting in the wind. All right, now we're trying to find our osteotomy lines. So as you can see, he's got the, the adduction deformity. So we're trying to look for where we're going to do the osteotomy. Look at the apex of the deformity. You can kind of see already. This is the apex right here at the met um, cuneiform base. I mean, look yeah, at that fifth. It's, it's literally just. And we're more worried about, you know, uh, the first, second, third, fourth rays. Fifth yeah. ray is kind of just hanging. There are lots of float. Yeah. We want to we want to swing the forefoot back around, and align that with the midfoot. And you can see the tailor now. The tailor head is nice and covered. Yeah. Yeah, it's right there in the navicular. Yep. So this is what we decided. This looks beautiful. All right, so now we're dissecting, going down to the level of bone. The trick with this is we like to keep a full thickness envelope on the top and bottom. So we're literally going to take it down to the level of bone and free it up dorsally and plantarly all along that soft tissue. Sub Subperiosteally, if you can do it. So that periosteum yeah. is that almost like cellophane wrap around all our bones. So if we can dissect that off, then we know we've protected blood vessels, nerves, everything that might be in the, in the vicinity. All right, so small ossicles on the top of his foot, excess doses, whatever you want to call them. Um, we're just rondering them out to make sure that he has no prominences on the top or bottom. All right, now we're making a little pocket. There we go. Making sure that that pocket that we made is actually in the alignment that we want it to be in. Mm -hmm. So when we do our osteotomy. So now, yeah, we've got the malleable retractor kind of holding that that whole skin flap up. This is the saw blade here on the side, mm -hmm. so we know that we're in good alignment. There we go, here we go, reciprocating. We're just taking that down, we make our osteotomy, and then we like to finish it all the way through with an osteotome, just to make sure that, you know, we're, you have the manual control, you know that you're hitting bone versus soft tissue. Right, you don't want to. And you can see we got almost far. down to the, the second metatarsal shaft completely, and we'll slowly free that up all the way through. It's amazing how much deformity correction you can get with a relatively small wedge. I mean, yeah. the, the, oh, the yeah. geometry there is, yeah, you don't need a, you don't need a two centimeter base <laughs> to your wedge. You need, you know, maybe a centimeter. Yeah. 
Um, you can see we're coming through with the saw. Use that all the way across. We're using intraoperative fluoroscopy as our guide to make sure that we're seeing and hitting everything that we want to. And the logic with the same thing with the wedge is you can always take more off. You know, okay. it's hard to put more back on. And this is, you know, this is, we're sweating. Like, I'm, I'm in, <laughs> we're in, we're in lead. Lead, lead scrub caps, two gloves, yeah, and, and gown. And even though the, the room may be 60 degrees, this is a lot of work. You're, yeah. you're huffing and puffing trying to, you know, get I all I think this these. case took us, what, three and a half hours? Something yeah. like that, yeah. And that's not bad for, you know, a pantailer fusion with the rotational flaps and the external fixer application. Look at that alignment. That's great. Yeah, that's what you want. Yeah. You just want that to basically become a consolidated bone mass. Yeah. That then can't break down anywhere else. That's what we're shooting for. Yeah. Yeah. As long as he has that stability, it'll, it'll be one giant, you know, platform that he's standing on. Right. And the the motion, the mobility, he's lost that. The motion mobility is kind of left to the problem that he has. Yeah. And we want to lock that up to make sure that everything stays stable. Correct. Oh, here, you're going to throw your pin down the medial column. Some people do through the big toe. Some people go plantar the big mm -hmm. toe through the first metatarsal head. I think it's it's a per case type of thing. There's no you know rhyme or reason one way or another. If he's got great mobility at the big toe, bring that toe up, go through the first met head. Uh, if his toe isn't too mobile, we bring it up as much as we can. And then obviously we'll run it all the way back up. And now Dr. D is going to use that as a toggle to bring that up. Uh, well, and I also like alignment. it because it protects us from dislocating the forefoot off the midfoot when we're cranking on the frame. So yeah. when we do the bend wire technique to get a, a compression moment at that at that orthodesis site, it can easily theoretically you could you it could you know pull one yeah. one part up above. The last the other. thing you want to do is when you're you're cranking away and you're trying to trying to push these two points together that it, it clicks yeah, on top. Exactly. Yeah. So the I think the Steinman pin down the medial column prevents that. Oh yeah, it allows you to direct your forces in one one position. So here's a frame. This is classically what most frames look like. Uh, you got the circular structures going around the tibia, and then you got your, your U-shape, or whatever you want to call them, uh, platforms uh, on the bottom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, then you can crisscross. The benefit of the frame also is if the patients have large wounds, then we can do you know our wound treatments for them. Uh, the benefit in our case, in this one, was that you can offload them. We do our, our skin plasty on the bottom, and then the platform, he's not walking on his foot anymore. He's literally okay. walking on the platform, right. which is putting pressure up here on, on the tibia. Right. Um, simple, effective. And, and then someone who's 6'5", 350 pounds. You can't keep him off their feet. I, there's literally, that's the option. And I, I really, I don't, um, I don't consider doing purely internal fixation in those folks. I just think it's a mistake. Yeah. It's there's not, a reason that they're realistic. breaking down. Yeah, it's not realistic. All right, now we close up the skin as much as we can. I think we may have already done the rotation on the bottom. Oh, no, not yet. I think we left that to, that about to the now. end. I think, I think we did it before we put the frame on. All right, it's been a while. You were like, what, this is like he's two still, months ago? He still has his frame on, so he's doing well. A month and a half ago? Yeah. yeah. He's about 10 weeks out now. Yeah. So I have some pre and post pictures, and I'll show you guys. All right, so now we're doing the frame part. So... Start high, work our way down. Mm -hmm. uh, I, there, you know, there's two theories. You can pre-build your frames and then slide it onto the leg, and then put your pins where you can, based on the frame. That's, I think, somewhat problematic, and you end up fighting where your ring levels are if they're not exactly where you need them to be. Building the frame from scratch like this when you first start may take a little bit longer than pre-building, but 
you're allowing the frame to be built to the anatomy that you're dealing with. And I think in the long run, th this is usually a, a more stable construct. And we've gotten fast enough that it really yeah. doesn't save us any time. Because you, when you pre-build them, you start dinking around with where you're putting your pins and they're not always in the ideal spot. This, in this way, I can put the pins exactly where they need to be. And we're keeping them out of, uh, we're keeping them in safe zones. So we're yeah. avoiding all the neurovascular structures. There are cross-sectional diagrams that, oh, yeah. that we use at the beginning. I was thinking about putting that in there, but I thought it might be a little bit too complicated. But I know exactly what you're talking about, the, uh, yeah. where they have like, the green and yellow zones. Yes. Of, uh, and yeah. I was like, uh, maybe it's getting too complicated Probably the frame part. It's a little too technical. But if you guys want to see that, let us know, yeah, yeah. by all means. Yeah, the, the cross-sectional cross anatomy is, is a skill, and you've got to be able to visualize these things to do this kind of work. I mean, when you're looking at MRIs or CT scans, it's the same thing. Right. If you know your anatomy, you know your anatomy. Mm -hmm. So we're creating the stability block. Stability block are the first two ring levels on the tibia. We're just below the knee. When we connect these two together with either threaded rods or with the solid metal rods, uh, we then tension these 1.8 millimeter skinny wires is what we call them. And when you tension these wires and you attach them to the frame, this becomes a very stable construct. Yeah. And so there we're putting on the um, uh, the solid rods between the frame level, which are really, really stable. And, and this is where most of the pressures are going to go now. Right. When he's going to be walking on that frame. That platform is going to put right. pressure all the way back up on the tibia level, not on his foot. The foot is pretty much floating. We have the compression across our wires. But as far as the frame goes, the... Uh, the frame is putting most of that pressure up here. And and if you do this part right and you align it well, the rest of your frame ends up turning out great. Yeah. If you stink at this part <laughs> and you do this poorly and you're not very, very fastidious about where you put these, this, it's going to misalign your entire frame all the way down to the foot and you're going to have to take it off and start over. So yeah. this, this is, we spend a fair amount of time making sure that this is lined up correctly. And that's where it's nice to have two, two surgeons where you've got, Somebody looking at the alignment while, on while you're focusing on getting everything tightened down. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a dance. Yeah. It really is. I remember, <laughs> I don't know if it had, this was the same with you. I remember back when I was in training, we were, you know, we did a bunch of frames where I was at. And uh, I would be, you know, the first res the first year resident would be the guy standing at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And we didn't, didn't have all the fancy bumps and the, the foot plates and stuff to hold it. So you'd be standing there, your hands would be shaking <laughs> from holding on so long. And then yeah. your senior residents were putting the frame and stuff on. And then when you finally got to that point, you're like, look, little, little guppy. Yeah. I was there once. I understand the pressure. Stand still. Don't, don't move. move. <laughs> yeah. So, and we move fairly quickly through this process. Yeah. Um, I think the typical X fix that we're applying takes us a little, a little over an hour to put on. And, and these are pretty complex. These are three, yeah. three ring levels on the leg, a foot plate, and then, you know, crossbar fixation on the foot plate to close the foot plate down. They're definitely, they're fun to do. They take about an hour and 10 minutes to put on. They take about 20 minutes to take off. Yeah. <laughs> you literally clip the wires, pull them out. Boom, boom, boom. If there's any olive wires or, you know, anything, um, stomach pins or anything. Yeah. And that's the only slowdown part. And luckily, I mean, they have very little hardware left in them. This particular external fixation set is a company called Seal, and they, I really like their their construct. It's one of the easier ones to use. They're extremely stable. Very user-friendly. Yeah. You know, they have the little adjustment knobs, so say your wire uh, is just like 
a centimeter off for like uh now I'm pulling against the frame. Now they have like the little We got the towers. towers they got can, great towers. And I think um, uh, this one is radio opaque too, right? It doesn't show up on the x-rays. As radio, well. radio lucent. Oh, that's what yeah, I meant. Mostly radio lucent. Yeah. yeah. And they also offer two millimeter wires for the bigger patients. I think we actually use two millimeter wires in this guy. Yeah. So the 1.8 millimeter would be the standard. A two millimeter, a little, a little stiffer, a little stronger for these big dudes. There we go. All right. So before, after. This is his first post-op visit. I was able to pull up the x-rays off the, the computer mm -hmm. system. So, I mean, just look at that. You can still see the heels in good position. Midfoot looks better. Yeah, this is before. Look at that that angle right there. And look at the after. I mean, that is, I mean, I would even say that's slight inclination. I mean. Yeah, oh, uh, it is. You got probably 15 degrees of inclination. And then obviously his talus is in line with his first. We got somewhat good alignment there. I mean, you can see in that middle picture that the fifth metatarsal is really not touching anything. Yeah. Uh, you really don't care. If you can get one, two, three, and four to fuse, the, having the fifth float out there makes no difference. Yeah, so, and eventually, that's going to bridge over. Yeah. Uh, and if it doesn't, he still has. And you can one. see the bend in that wire and the bend in the wire behind it. Yeah, pulling those metatarsals back. We, we bend them, we walk those wires back, and when we tension them, they, they pull the forefoot back onto the midfoot. Yeah. And, and so that's where you're getting your compression. The same thing here with the opposite here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pretty much squeezing those two points together, right. getting that great compression and across there. And that produces a tremendous amount of compression Yeah, and um, works really well. I mean, all in all, great case. Yeah. Uh, patient's doing well. Patient's doing great. In the end, I'll try to remember to put some after pictures or videos of him walking on his new foot if well, I can. Well, we need to get some pictures of his, of his wound too. It looks yeah. gorgeous. The skin the skin plastic works. The uh, transpositional flap worked great. But I mean, I mean, if you guys have any questions, concerns, anything, by all means, let us know. Cool, awesome, that was great. Thanks for uh, clipping and putting that together for us, Dr. Hussein. Yeah, of course. So we will see you guys next time. Thanks for spending a little time learning about shark reconstruction, and we'll see you next time on the Pod Doctors. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to The Pod Doctors. We appreciate all of our listeners and subscribers. If you'd like to hear more, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and watch our videos on YouTube. Like, thumbs up, subscribe, and be safe. See you all next time. Bye-bye.